0: Hey guys, Brian Ziegler from After Hours here, and you're listening to Acaville Radio.
1: Welcome to episode seven of Polyphony. We are talking about gender in Scholastic Acapella, and we have some incredible panelists this evening. We are talking with Chloe D'Agostino and Leo Early from the Crescendos, Morgan Baker, former member of the Whiff and Poofs, and Dukes, Kate Boyle and Sarah Lewis from the California Golden Overtones, and Ajay Prasad from the G-Men. And here is your host for the evening, Aaron.
0: Thanks so much, Rachel.
1: I'd love to start by talking with
0: Ajay with you and Kate and Sarah with you as well about the experience of the group as it is right now as a single gendered group. And Ajay, maybe we'll start talking with you about what is that experience and what's sort of the value of that
2: for you as a member? Yeah, absolutely. For one, I guess being in the group for about four years now, I've enjoyed it so much. I've made some of my closest friends and some of who I even consider my brothers at this point in the G-Men. That said, I think that it's been really interesting to see how our group has worked on some of the stereotypes that comes with being an all-guy group and how we approach the fact that the general stereotypes about being all guys are usually not very like... Oh, they're singers. Oh, they like you know. It's that's not what the stereotype is like. So working through that and kind of I guess pushing that boundary it's always been interesting for us.
0: How has that discussion and kind of continuous work evolved the culture of the group? I think that
2: for me personally, I think it's It's allowed me to become a lot more. I think empathetic and emotionally connected with myself and my other members. I think that. The best example I can give is an activity we do in the G-Men called Pump Up Your Mates, which again, like is about pushing that boundary about like what it means to be a guy today and male identifying in the sense that in this activity, we all sit in a circle for 10, 15 minutes during rehearsal and we will just say something genuinely nice to the person next to us. So this is anything from thank you for being there the other day for me. I was very anxious and you were a good friend or anything from that to I needed a hug and you gave me the best hug I've ever gotten. And it's these genuine compliments that I think push these boundaries and allow. Like, it's definitely helped me. I guess feel myself out even more.
0: Yeah, that's lovely. Kate and Sarah, how about for you? What do you feel like you get from an all-female identifying group that might be different than a larger group?
3: I would definitely say in terms of size compared to a lot of the co-ed groups on campus, we're very small. I feel like we have a very close relationship with all of our members, even on the management side. I think we're all very close. Like Ajay was saying, it is like some of these girls are my sisters.
4: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think, you know, there's some similar, well, Similarly, stereotypes, obviously like different ones that an all-girls group has to work through. And that's something that was often tough to to navigate and like being taken seriously in different environments. And all those kinds of things are definitely things that we've navigated through as a group. But I agree. I think it creates this kind of tight-knit community where we really all can relate to each other and bond together.
0: Do you find that those stereotypes are things that you confront in as early as the kind of recruitment and audition process? Do people come in with a different expectation of what their group is going to be as opposed to what the lived experience is?
3: I feel like people come in and expect us to be very catty and that's not just not the reality. I think a lot of people are intimidated and then once we get to know people the response is usually oh you guys are so much nicer than I thought you would be.
4: Yeah I've experienced that a lot I've never, I've never been one to be involved in drama or anything at all and I've had people who've gotten into the group afterwards and say I was so scared of you or like all these things and I think we are really as a group actively trying to combat that and just hold ourselves with poise and be as inclusive as we can be. And I think our group does a really great job of just, again, building that sisterhood and kind of breaking down some of those negative stereotypes.
0: Ajay, how about for you? Sort of similar question, different stereotypes that you're engaging with, but I wonder if you find that there's some education or information that you need to do for folks that are auditioning who are interested in the group that might perceive it as, you know, super bro or, you know, super toxic stereotype masculinity kind of situation.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that I came in as a freshman and definitely had. I think there's an image the G-men like to have on stage, where we also have an approach to acapella, where we see music as very, very interpretive and artistic in the sense that we will come in with soccer jerseys as our uniform instead of like a nice collared shirt or like bow tie, which is the classic guy acapella uniform. But instead, soccer jerseys and jeans and converse is our go-to uniform. And so then that, I guess, paints an image of the bro And then we fill into that stereotype. But then you come to our rehearsal and we have these very intensive talks about what the music means to us. We expect that when somebody's trying out for a solo, there's a solo interpretation before they actually try out, where they discuss what is the lyrics, what do the lyrics mean to them? What do they think about when they're singing? We want our solos and our singers to be expressive and emotive when they sing, which then, I guess, does the opposite. Yeah.
0: Leo, I wonder about for you and for Chloe, and and Leo, I'll start with you. We've heard from Kate and Sarah and Ajay about the value and the wonderful experience they're having in single-gendered groups, and I wonder if for the Crescendos, there was discussion around that as you were evolving to be an all-gendered group and more of a treble group, about what that evolution would mean
5: so i came into to the group after they decided that they were going to be a unified group
0: do you feel like the experience i mean how do you characterize sort of the culture of the group now as it is today and the more expansive definition
5: i think it's much more inclusive and more considering of people who have higher voices but don't identify typically as female or people with lower voices who don't identify as male. And I think we've all come together to talk about that and talk about that, that that shouldn't matter. With our group
0: Yeah Chloe how about for you What has your experience been Throughout your time In the group And the
6: I was a member Of the Crescendos Before we decided To change our labels From okay. all female So for us A really big thing To consider was We've gone through A couple metamorphoses With gender I know for me As someone who doesn't Really identify with womanhood We still have not perfected Our unified language We use in the group yeah. And I don't blame it On anybody Because once again It's ingrained in my head As well I was a member Of this group When it was Ladies right. Let's do this Ladies, let's do that. So it sort of shocks me now when I still hear it happening, but it's like, at the same time, I don't blame anyone, but it definitely, we've grown a lot, but... We still have plenty of room to grow and consider that not all of us identify with the same womanhood as other people in the group. Yeah. Just definitely like listening to everybody, I think. And, you know, that is a thing we've had a lot of conversation about is the way, you know, that we refer to each other and how to make other people feel included in the group and the way that we label ourselves. Because when people are auditioning for the group, I know that's something we discussed earlier with the other groups. What image of our group do we want the auditionees to see? Because we, for many years, it was this group's for all genders and this group's for girls. And so now at auditions, it's like... So some people are like, well, I don't want boys auditioning, but you can't just say all treble voices because that's excluding a whole group of women who don't have treble voices, who may not have that same range, who we don't want to exclude non-binary folk or trans women who want to audition for our group.
0: Yeah, for sure. Morgan, how about for you in either of your group experiences, in both of them, you've been an early arriver on the scene as the group's been going through these changes. And I wonder what your experience has been in the early phase of those and how the culture has changed started to kind of figure itself out.
7: Yeah, so I was a first year I was the first non male person to be tapped into what was then the Dukesmen of Yale, right. what is now Dukes of Yale. We changed our name for obvious reasons. Right. Even that as an example of the way of some of the ways where language failed us. I was coming into this group that had decided before I got there, like gender isn't relevant to the kinds of voices that we want to have in this space. We wanna have people who can sing music. But there weren't really an aren't really a ton of all gender tenor baritone-based singing groups out there. And so that was a thing that we had to stumble upon in terms of how we wanted to talk about ourselves. And in that way, I really identify with what you, Chloe, and Leo were saying about like really struggling with how to talk about people's voices when so much of our association is with like soprano alto, like sopranos and altos are women and tenors and baritones and basses are men. And we understand that these are separate vocal ranges. But what we've noticed in Dukes and also with the whiff and poofs, which I was a member of last year, was that I went to girl school in high school. I was singing in a soprano alto singing group, uh, in an a- acapella group, and I sang SOP 2, I sang alto 1, I sang alto 2, I came to Dukes, I was singing tenor 1, but I was singing the exact same notes that I was singing as a soprano 2, alto 1, not even an alto 2. That was like tenor 2 land in Dukes. And so, it, yeah, it's really hard to communicate to people what it is that we're doing at all, especially when people have such rigid understandings of like what a tenor sounds like.
0: Yeah, and and it sounds like if the trend continues, that in like two or three years you're going to be a deep low bass because you're working your way through all of the the ranges. Is what it sounds like. But
7: I wonder yeah, if oaks no that like. Once she hits puberty, it's over for all of the bases for their jobs. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Look out. Yeah. In the first year of the Dukes, for example, in this new arrangement, where are you seeing, where did you see that stumbling, figuring it out, working through it? Where do those issues start to come up at the beginning of the process? Because it's so new for everybody to kind of figure this out.
7: I mean, I wouldn't have chosen to join the group in the first place if I hadn't felt like it would have been a good space for So I wasn't afraid of like being bullied in this space. I had other options. I would have gone somewhere else if I didn't think I was wanted. And so the intergroup dynamic was actually lovely and fantastic. Really, the biggest problems that I and we had were with audience members, especially when we go on tour and perform places. I had a woman at like a private gig tell me like, you are a rose in a group of thorns. I had a, someone at a public concert tell me, I hope they treat you right. And really, what that... I know, I know. Like all of these <laughs> wow. wacky things. And what that communicated to me was like, oh, these people have the lowest standards in the world for how they expect people who they think are men to behave behind closed doors. They assume that, oh, these people must be terrible and I must be suffering, which was the furthest thing from the case
0: and not able to assert yourself. I mean there's right. also sort of that, piece, that of piece of it as, well. it as well.
7: Right, as if I were like dragged along and coerced into singing some doot doots and some boat datas with like some music nerds. Absolutely not. And and so that was that was definitely the hardest thing. And in that year and in years since, we developed strategies of ways of supporting each other, especially folks of marginalized identities who people can see are different and often like you say are different, how do we keep each other safe, allow each other to escape, have an exit strategy in those kinds of situations where folks are trying to tell us we are. Right right Sarah
0: and Kate I wonder what are the musical implications of being a female group female identifying group what does that afford you what does that limit you what are the consequences of that decision
8: well I think it's kind of an interesting question and I agree with the thing you know the label is really a tough thing to navigate in conversation within our group about that too you know I don't think anything is perfect I don't know if this is we have is perfect either but it is interesting like Morgan was saying she's seeing 10 and 1 10 or two as a female identifying person and I actually Base with the overtone, so I kind of have a reciprocal. It's a similar feeling where, you know, that's a voice part that's typically thought of as male. And I'm singing lower notes in this all-female group than I ever was singing in my mixed voice and choirs in high school and stuff. And it's, it's kind of interesting navigating that realm. And obviously I can't hit the same notes that other bases can hit. And, you know, that's a limiting factor within our groups as, you know, other groups have limiting factors in other voice parts. So it's definitely a thing that, can be limiting. It can be what's the opposite of limiting. It can it can really give us more options with our tone and color and stuff. And having female faces, having that kind of lower raspy sound that is in our voice, you know, it gives our arrangement with a lot of nice color and yeah it's just different. I don't know if you can say if anything is better or worse, but you know just creates different sounds.
3: I would definitely agree with Morgan on that most of the issues normally come from audience members who are like, let's get some men in here. And it's like, no, we're good. And they're like the lady bases we're doing excellent. It's like no they're just bases. They're just regular bases. You don't need to add the extra word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, again, remarkable.
3: Ajay, how about
0: for you with the G-Men? As Sarah was talking about both limitations and opportunities around having a little bit more homophonic sound, I guess, in the sense of of the tone.
2: Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with what Sarah mentioned. And I mean, I think actually going back just a little bit before that, I really want to echo what Morgan brought up about, like the comfort within a group, because I've really, I think I enjoyed that point a lot. Because that's exactly, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like that's what I think a cappella really is. Why we enjoy music, why we enjoy singing is you just, that's your comfort place. That's what we enjoyed it doing, and so it's so key that I think all of our groups. That's such a like a great tying concept, I think, with acapella in general. And uh, I mean, yeah, definitely why I enjoy it. That said, about the yeah. music specifically, I came from in high school a a cappella group that was all genders and so I think doing that to a male identifying group was definitely a change in terms of even just like arranging the music it's always just you have less the range is definitely just smaller but then it's always really exciting for us when we get these auditionees where they have these like insane counter tenor melodies and you're like oh we can do so much with you right now like oh this is gonna be fun (laughs) and so that's where it gets really exciting as a group is meeting people who push the range and that's definitely you know something that we always get excited about but it definitely keeps us on our toes as in terms of what we can even arrange and how to arrange there's so many songs that i've always wanted to arrange that i'm just like oh it just won't sound good without just like another octave on top but nobody can sing remotely that high and so then you just have to cut your losses almost. And focus on your strengths. Capitalize on the strengths of the tone. and the- Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I didn't even touch on that. That said, one of the pros that I found, it's very easy to, get, yeah, like the tone is very similar quite often. And so then blend, I wouldn't even say it's easier, but it, it happens quite often. And there's a lot of times when we're just singing and you get that overtone in the room and you're like, ah, yes, like that's exactly what you need in this chord. Thank you. And so that's just the best feeling. So yeah, definitely that there's like a lot of pros that come with just having a lot of the male identifying voices. But I would be lying if I said that there's not times I wish that somebody could just sing two octaves higher than everybody else and then just have this like amazing counter melody going on. In the G-Man always in search of an ostinato, it sounds like.
1: Well, with those amazing points, we're going to be back in just a few minutes. So please stick with us. On the other side, we'll be talking about things like the focus of moving all genders when you focus on male and female and is there something more that we can talk about around that. So stick with us we'll be back with just a little bit more from Morgan, Chloe, Leo, Kate Sarah and Ajay.
0: Every week for an hour we turn over the airwaves to the craziest people around. Our listeners fortunately they also have the best taste. Hear it all each week on the requests and dedications hour you pick tunes in the app or on the website and we play them every Thursday at 9pm East, 6 p.m. West, and again Sunday at 2 p.m. East, 11 a.m. West. Around the world, catch it Saturdays at noon London time, 8 p.m. Tokyo time. We'll be playing the tunes you pick and having a great time doing it.
1: And we're back talking about gender in scholastic acapella. We have Ajay Prasad from the G-Men, Kate Boyle and Sarah Lewis from the California Golden Overtones. Morgan Baker from the Whiffenpoofs and Dukes, and Chloe D'Agostino and Leo Early from the Crescendos. Here again is your host, Aaron.
0: Thanks, Rachel. Chloe, I wonder about the transition period for the Crescendos. One of the arguments that gets made, at least in the public sphere, about keeping single-gendered groups the same is tradition, is sort of this is how we are and how we have been. And I wonder if the tradition played any kind of role in the conversation or how that part of the conversation evolved for the Crescendos.
6: For sure. So the Crescendos have a history. Before being the Crescendos, they were a treble choir that would meet after school, and it was all girls that would sing after school, and then later on, they decided to make a group. This had gone on for, I want to say, a couple years before I came into the group, and my first year in the group was the year that we had the the decision to talk about gender. So during that period, it was definitely like we were blessed with this opportunity, basically. We had one of our lovely members come out as transgender, and And... That gave us an opportunity to question how we wanted to identify ourselves. Something I'm very grateful for because I think it was a conversation that had to be had eventually with us. Especially being in a high school, people are learning a lot about ourselves and we need to grow and evolve as a group with that. So that was a really great opportunity, but tradition definitely was a conversation we had. Because as a history, as a treble choir that went into an all-girls group, I would say one of the biggest things actually was a lot of the songs we sang revolved around womanhood. We sang a lot of songs, some in specific, we sang like natural woman. Stuff like that, where it was like, we sang a lot of songs about female empowerment. The member Felix, who came out as transgender, he still said we could sing those songs, but it felt a little bit wrong to listen at the same time as like disrespect this person's complete identity. So definitely tradition was a factor because a lot of the stuff we sang was around gender. A lot of our lives revolve around gender and how we view each other revolve around gender. So of course it's gonna definitely play a role in acapella. But I think young people are pretty cool because we tend to be able to adapt to things and change tradition and smash tradition all the time. So for us, it wasn't too big of a deal to be like, eh, who cares anyway? And just, cause we all loved Felix, you know? We love Felix. It was like, we would so much rather respect our group member then say, nah, we don't really care. We're going to do this, and then you'll leave the group in a year. Do you feel like the
0: conversations were... Different, easier, more challenging because they were personalized, because you had someone who kind of prompted the conversation initially, as opposed to, you know, some groups are having it kind of in the abstract, like maybe we should do this. And it's not necessarily prompted by someone who's already in the group, for example, who is, you know, forcing the conversation or at least inviting the conversation.
6: I think that that definitely made it easier for us because that was a factor of like, well, we care about you and we want to listen to what you have to say. So some people who may not be as versed in gender as some other people in the group, they may not have understood. Understood fully or thought that it was a big enough deal. I remember too, during our virtual era, we had another sort of metamorphosis when there was no real reason to have a conversation, but it was brought up that maybe the trouble label was also kind of troubling. For me, it was like something that I thought about a lot was like, if we, if we still have some of the elements of womanhood in our set and in the things that we sing. How could we exclude people who identify with womanhood but may not have treble voices? So for some people, I made the comment, I literally typed it out on Google Meet. I was too scared to say it. I was like, can we talk about the treble thing? It just felt a little exclusive, you know? It just felt still, if we're going to let people audition, who's to say in 10 years or in five years or in one year, if a non-binary person born male or perhaps a transgender woman wanted to audition for our group, how could we be like, no. We don't want you when in reality, we can't do that kind of stuff. It was important for me, especially in the people in the group as well to have that conversation. But it was definitely a harder conversation to have because there was no real reason. There was no one person pushing that.
0: Yeah, for sure.
6: Leo, how about for you in the group? today
0: and your tenure in the group thus far, are you identifying that the group is continuing to evolve in this way and continuing to work on inclusiveness and welcoming and sort of all the things that this started rolling?
5: Yeah, I think we still have room to grow, but everyone's trying their best to be as inclusive as possible.
0: Yeah. Morgan, you know, Chloe talked about the ability to move past tradition and high school groups i think of scholastic groups find it a little bit easier because of the relationships that they do or don't have with deep alumni networks and i think of the Whiffenpoofs and poofs in particular as dukes certainly as well but these are groups that have deep alumni networks and i wonder if those relationships have evolved or strained or deepened or changed as the groups have evolved in this
3: way?
7: I'm much less familiar with improved with alumni dynamic just because I wasn't around when the decision was made. But there are certainly people who are cranky and upset that they're Old Boys Club is no longer just for boys. I think that that was and continues to be important to some older alumni's understanding of what it, mean, what it meant for them to be in the Wyff and Poofs or what it meant for them to be in the Dukes men. What's been interesting is that at least in Dukes, that's been a minority folks, and our alumni engagement has just skyrocketed over the course of the time that I've been in the group as a result of having this conflict and then having to repair and all of us being in conversation again about what it is that we do and why it's special to all of us. I think it's also worth saying that there were no women in Yale College until 1968. The Whiff and Poofs were founded in 1909 and Dukes was founded in 1952. So especially for older, older members of the group, women are not even a part of like their college environment. They're not imagined as colleagues.
0: And the Whiff and Poofs talked about it for 40 years before doing it in 2018. I mean, this was not a new conversation and it did not go this way.
7: No. People have been protest auditioning for the Whiff and Poofs since at least the 80s. And... So that's been a provocation in the yell singing community, especially with regard to tenor baritone-based groups that have historically been far more resourced than all gender and SSAA groups, in part because they've been around longer, in part because People buy what they're selling more often and pay more, but yeah, that's definitely been a dynamic, but one that hasn't gone quite the way that you might have expected, given like Yale as an elite institution with like deep pockets and a lot of investment, emotional investment.
0: But it sounds like the the strategy that the Dukes have had of engaging the alumni through the struggle and the resolution has paid off in terms of deepening that connection in a way that other groups maybe didn't have?
7: I I don't know about other groups. There also aren't that many of us that have done this kind of thing. But absolutely, that is absolutely the case. And has been really meaningful for me also, knowing that it's not just the people in the group Who are in my corner, but that there are people across the country and across the world who are like happy that I'm doing the same thing that they were doing, even if it doesn't look the same way that it did when they were involved. But something that I think also makes that easier for Dukes maybe than other groups is that we've always been sort of wacky. We've always been a little bit more renegade. We've never been quite so invested in like approximating the Wiffen Hoofs, to be frank, than other tenor baritone-based groups on campus. And that's been the case for decades and decades and decades. So Duke's doing something wacky, not a surprise for one who had been a member of Duke's in the past 50 years.
0: Just a new flavor of wacky in in some ways, it sounds like, yeah.
7: Kate and Sarah, I wonder
0: about the conversations on campus a cappella groups for you. You know, there are obviously no shortage of groups uh, on campus. And I wonder, is there impetus or conversation around changing some of these definitions?
4: I would say there is. Um, conversation. We have a lot of conversation within our group about it, and it's um, a conversation that we want to keep having. You know, are we all female? Are we all female identifying? Is there there's not really a difference between those two? And what that means for us, and I think that's a conversation I haven't really
3: noticed it much between groups. Again, I think because there's just so many groups on campus, I mean, just associated with the Student Musical Activities Department, there's already nine groups, only three of which are single gender, and then there's ten more that are independently run that are all co-ed and have ties to different parts of identities, like cultural identities and stuff like that.
4: Yeah, and I would say definitely, I think it's probably present on most college campuses, but I think Cal is the kind of place that the acapella community is definitely very entrenched in. there's a lot of tradition kind of seeped in. And I definitely noticed that a lot, that there's a lot of things that kind of continue year to year and it's kind of just like, oh, well, that's the way it's always been done. But I do really kind of going back to what Morgan was saying earlier, like I think kind of it is a central debate. I was in a group before the overtones that was all trouble. Voices, And so we had someone who was transgender in the group and he had a lovely soprano voice and it was amazing. And we were singing all the treble clef. And then in this group, which is all female group, and I'm singing down these bass notes that I've never had a chance to sing before. And I think I, I wasn't aware of your group and having the like tenor bass all genders group and I think that's awesome to me because I think as someone who has like a low like kind of tenor, tenor two range it's sometimes difficult for me to find a place in co-ed groups because it's not typical for a girl to be on the tenor line and so i've struggled to find a place within co-ed groups even though on the outside it seems you know so much more inclusive so i i think that idea is super cool i know i went backtracked a little bit there but i don't know if you have anything yeah, you just to summarize
3: that we don't use the tenor label i wasn't really aware of it before most of these conversations <laughs> <laughs> i knew it existed but i didn't like think it was popular
7: <laughs> i said it's not popular a lot of people find it really confusing and we run into that also during rush which is what we call the
8: audition period people just don't know what to do with us well because i sing in like the kind of tenor range but within the group function as a bass. and yeah there's so many kind of nuances within acapella that- It is hard to explain to someone who might not believe me in the loop. Kate and
0: Sarah, how core to the identity of the Golden Overtones is the fact that it's a female group?
3: I think it's as we were talking about before, pretty ingrained in tradition. The Overtones has been around for almost sixty years. We're turning sixty in twenty twenty two, so it is very much like we. The group has gone through transitions over time. We used to be called the Decibels, then we were the Overtones. I feel as if. If we were to, I feel like most of our alum probably wouldn't have much to say about it, and that would be that. I'm not aware of anyone who would have a problem with that. We also do a lot of, a lot of our music is kind of like Chloe was saying before. A lot of our
4: songs, we try and do mostly female artists, and if not all, and really talk about each song, how it relates to us in our experience as a woman, and we Actually, about exactly a year ago, released an EP that was, you know, the main theme was just about our experience of womanhood. And we chose four songs that we felt really reflected that. So I would say that gender identity is pretty important to our group. But that being said, the top priority is inclusion and having everybody feel welcome. And we love for anybody to be a part of the group who feels represented by the overtones. And that's always a conversation that we want to keep having of like, How can we make this welcoming and inclusive and, you know, still maintain the traditions and core values that our group was formed off of? But I think it's a conversation that has no end.
3: Yeah. Our general consensus when it comes to, like, who's allowed to audition is that anyone is allowed to audition. If you're, like, comfortable enough in your identity to come before us and, like, audition, we're comfortable having you here.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Ajay, how about for you? I I mean, I sort of asked the same question I asked to Kate and Sarah. How core is the gender identity of the G? men to the G-men? I mean, you have men in the G-men name, so that seems like that might be an indicator, but sort of more more broadly, what do you think?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think really similar to what Kate and Sarah mentioned from the get-go is that contextually, it's actually been an issue. The idea of gender has actually, interestingly, not really come up as much, and I think that's attributed to the fact that on our campus, I think we have 16 a cappella groups, and I think, like, almost 200 people involved in acapella in some capacity. And so because of that, almost anybody who wants to sing on campus finds a place. And so for us, being one of—we're basically the one acapella group that's all male-identifying. And so because of that, we very much encourage, if you are comfortable with singing with us, then please audition. Like, it's never been, you have to be a guy, you have to male-identify, you have to do this, you have to do that. And of course, that is, like, I understand the dichotomy there, because in our name is the gentleman. And that can obviously— turn people away from that comfort and so I guess yeah but I think like interestingly it's not really come up as much for us just because people who wanted to have a different acapella experience had 15 other groups to choose from and would usually find their own family
0: what's your temperature check on alumni around this I mean we talked about kind of a whole range of potential alumni reactions from super cranky pants as Morgan was sort of characterizing and putting words in her mouth a little bit but and uh, it being a non-issue I mean what's your sense of the the Gmail alumni in that way.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think a little dissimilar than Morgan's group and Kane and Sarah's is ours is, I guess, relatively old for Michigan's campus, but not nearly as old as those ones. I think we were founded about 26, 27 years ago. So, I mean, like, not a new, new group by any standard, but I think then some of the, like, older, I think more conservative views about gender are lost because people in the group are just not as far removed from, like, I would almost say, like, what they should be thinking, really. Like, the, well, like the right thing to be like sure. thinking about when it comes to gender. So I would really just, I would be quite surprised if not actually appalled if any of our alumni were if we were to transition to changing our name and changing our inclusivity in terms of the like actually i think almost exclusively the name when it comes to gender i don't think anybody would be would have a problem with that i'd be quite surprised if somebody did
1: Well, we will have a ton more, but we're going to need to take a short break. On the other side, we're going to be asking all of these folks for advice that they may have for groups who are looking to make some of the changes they have made or looking to retain their sort of identities as they are now. So stick with us again. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Bring on the
0: Close Harmony. Hockerville's longest-running barbershop show is Shop Talk, featuring two hours each week of interviews, fun, and amazing ringing chords. Hosted by longtime singers and leaders within the barbershop community, Shop Talk includes quartets and choruses from men, women, and mixed groups. Catch new episodes of Shop Talk every Wednesday at 3 p.m. East, noon West, Sundays at noon East, 9 a.m. West, and Saturdays at 10 a.m. London time, 6 p.m. Tokyo time. It's tags of fun.
1: And we're back talking with Morgan Baker, Kate Boyle, Sarah Lewis, Ajay Prasad, Chloe D'Agostino, and Leo Early. And here again is your host, Aaron. Thanks, Rachel. Chloe, I wonder
0: we've talked a lot about sort of male identifying and female identifying gender inclusiveness, but there's a lot more than that. There's a lot more in terms of, for example, being welcoming and including to all genders, including NBs and and other folks as well. And I wonder, how do you kind of do that? What's the next step after sort of starting to break down the initial barriers? Because it sounds like you're starting to have those conversations in the crescendos.
6: For sure. I think it's definitely important to understand for, like people in the group it's Not everyone's going to be super well-versed in gender. You know, we all come from different backgrounds. So for a lot of people, it's definitely a lot about educating each other and helping each other understand to become more inclusive and to definitely consider the musical aspects of it all. Because if you do want a higher sounding group, totally fine. And that's awesome. Just how are you going to name that group to make everybody in the group feel comfortable? And then from there, like we've mentioned before, if you feel comfortable auditioning for this group, awesome. We'd love to sing with you. Definitely just like putting that out there, like for everyone who auditions that this is the identity we have for ourselves. It's always evolving, but currently this is our identity. And if you like it, come sit with us because we'd love to have you, that sort of thing. Definitely just listening to each other a lot as well, taking everybody's you know thoughts into consideration as well as just helping each other understand because there's a lot to understand for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Leo, I wonder, what do you feel like the group does well on an ongoing basis to continue that conversation or to help set aside time or or process or energy? Or how does that kind of manifest itself when you're all together?
1: I
5: think we haven't put as much time into talking about it as I think they have in the past yet. But I think we're going to start working on discussing that more and how we're going to go about that as we move along.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Chloe, you raised the point that, Everyone is kind of at a different place on this journey of figuring out what this all means and and having a sense of of understanding and comfort. I wonder how you, what do you feel like are ways to bring people along that may not be at the same place as you on this journey and just trying to figure out the basics of the conversation?
6: For sure. I think a lot of the time it's explaining things in a way that makes it easy to understand in the sense of knowing where someone's coming from. You know, there's definitely going to be people in any group who may not like the idea of things changing, may not like the idea of changing labels, and maybe being a bit hesitant to consider that. So I think Pushing not a personal narrative, but explaining from a perspective of somebody who may be able to bring out some, not empathy, but sort of the that side of things of, I understand where you're coming from, and I want to make this change so we can make you feel safe here. Definitely on a personal basis, I think, is a great way to start. Or if you don't have a person in your group that is comfortable talking about their experience, to sort of make it a more general thing, in general of like, you know, talking about maybe like a celebrity and being like, well, in their case, you know, that's a very basic way to do it, but something people understand, you know, whether that be someone they know or somebody they've heard of.
0: It helps bring, bring people along that may not know they know people who are working through these issues, for example. Kate and and Sarah, you talked about the fact that for the Overtones, this is a conversation that is kind of ongoing in the background and and still continues to happen. And I wonder how you kind of manage that conversation in such a way that is comfortable for folks to the degree that it can be at least welcoming to folks who may have a wide range of opinions about this.
3: I think part of the conversation is just keeping it very I wouldn't say casual, but not rigidly formal, just having open conversation, open discussion to it. The good thing about this group that I'm in is that because we are all so close, these conversations aren't awkward. It doesn't have to feel like a formality. It's just another thing to discuss and debate about as we like move along as a group and get closer.
4: And I think it's interesting. So Kate and I both came into leadership positions in this group during COVID and quarantine and the experience of coming back to campus and kind of getting. Back into the swing of things. It's very interesting as far as old traditions and new traditions and what is being passed along. And I would venture that it's probably similar in most acapella groups. And the friends in other schools I've talked to have felt this as well that there's a lot of stuff happens because that's the way it's been happening. And that's what we did last year. And that's what we did the year before. And there's kind of just this momentum that tends to snowball, and not just gender discussions, but arranging processes, right. group structures, everything. And I think me and Kate and the other managers, we've really been trying to examine this year, like what are the things that we do and why do we do them and not just doing things because other people before us did them. And I think that is something that really applies to this as well. And I think it's the kind of thing where we examine what is this label of an all-female group bring to us and it does bring things you know it does have many benefits like I was saying before you know this sense of identity and you know shared music that we perform and this culture within our group. So there are many benefits. And then there's also many things that can be changed and can be ongoing conversations. So I think it's always striking that balance of using the people who came before you as examples and role models and knowing where you can grow and
3: change from that and not getting stuck in the past. A lot of the times it is easier to follow that momentum, but it's always more valuable to be open to having these conversations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Ajay, how about for you, thoughts about groups that have a, a single gendered focus, maybe not in an environment that is as a cappella rich as Michigan, that want to maybe have start to have those conversations or think about it, but do it in a way that is workable and, and feels okay for people. How are you, any suggestions or thoughts
2: about that? Yeah, I think actually like outside of a cappella too, just in general, being, I guess, young adults at this point and the way that we want to traverse the world going forward is coming from a place of like mutual respect and understanding i really liked what chloe mentioned earlier about i understand where you're coming from even if i disagree i think uh, i guess i'm paraphrasing but that's i think there's certain conversations that don't need disagreement as a general consensus in the from the get-go of like that understanding and that respect is i think probably the best way to go about it but obviously i think there's a lot of nuance that comes as the conversations deepen and get more complicated and that's kind of up for the group to hash out and work together on and i guess that's what growing i think really is as a person as a group etc and that's what makes life kind of exciting and interesting
0: yeah for sure i mean with any group i think this is this is common and again as you point out not true just about gender but just in general how are the g-men at resolving conflicts as they arise and kind of working through those things. Because this is an area where that can happen, but it's not the only one where that can happen. The conflicts come up all the time in groups. And I wonder how you guys kinda of work through that.
2: Yeah. I mean I guess it duly really depends on the type of conflict. If it's a musical conflict, then I, it's always funny because it's we'll just try a whole bunch of things like, oh we should crescendo here. No, we should just decrescendo day crescendo here. No, we should sportsondo here. That is like a almost like a humorous disagreement where then we just right. try everything and see what sounds better. But we definitely have had multiple and long conversations that were not necessarily disagreements, but more just our understanding as we traverse the world as people who identify as males and that our experiences as, as that is very different and frankly, very privileged. And so how do we approach that idea in an empathetic manner and also understand that our experiences are quite often a lot better than a lot of other people on the gender spectrum. And so because of that, and this usually comes up for us when we go on tour almost every year, I guess actually... Basically every year except for last year because of COVID. Yeah, and so like that where we're interacting with many different groups from many different universities who have very different life experiences as well. And so how can we make sure that we're still presenting the best version of ourselves and the version of ourselves that we want to promote in the world as well, even as guys. And I think that's something that we talk about quite extensively. Mm -hmm. We dedicate almost two whole rehearsals prior to tour on... The type of actions that we want to make sure that we portray and the con- like the, the conduct really and because that's very very important to us.
0: What are a couple of examples of that? Big, small. I mean, when you talk about spending time really focusing on conduct, I think that's super important. And I don't know that that's necessarily something that all groups overtly focus as much on. So I wonder if you could give us just a couple of examples of the kinds of things you're talking about.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think actually it's it's funny. One of the longest conversations we had was it was a couple of years ago now, and it was because we were on campus and outside of campus as well, are labeled as, like, the frat guys of acapella. And I think that that definitely comes with, like, oh, it's fun, we jump around on stage, we, like, are interacting with the audience in very fun and crazy manners, and that is great. But then at the same time, it's, like... Oh, well, like frat guys definitely have a connotation that's not necessarily a positive one at all times. And that's not necessarily something that we we want to portray all of. And so how do we take that label and make sure that our version of that is as positive of an impact as we can have? And so it, it's an example of like, yeah, something that we took and we were like, OK, this is something we can work with because... This is also another way that I remember at one point when one of the guys in the group was like, how could we take our version of being male identifying and make sure that some other person that we meet on tour becomes a better person because of it as well. Everybody comes in with their different preconceived notions of how to act in the world and how we use our privileges. And so what if the way we approach a situation, somebody else uses in the future, we have to make sure that we're doing the best possible actions then so that they do the same because we want to be cognizant of the fact that we have an impact on other people. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Morgan, I I, I want to ask about your advice to groups, but first, I I want to ask a little bit about. Your experience in the Whiff and Poofs and the culture around it, two or three years removed from the changeover, right? Because when you were in your senior year at the Whiff and Poofs, that was, were you year two or three after the change? How much conversation was there at that point? How much culture evolution was still going on? I mean, kind of what was it like a few years removed for you?
7: I think the important thing to know about the Whiffs and something that makes the Whiffs really peculiar as a singing group is that there is like 100% turnover of the group every year. So it's not as if there were two or three years worth of people who had like ever been in the and Poops when it was all men. We were all people who, when we were first years at Yale, there was all gender, tenor, baritone. And so it wasn't anything new for any of us. And we all knew what we were signing up for. So in that regard, it was like, oh, this is just how it is. But it was the first year where there was more than one woman in the group. Yes. So there were three non-men in the WIFs, or three, four. There's a lot of gender diversity in the WIFs This and that was also something that we had to have a really explicit conversation about, was like, do we talk about how many women there are in the WIFs, or do we talk gender diversity more broadly? Because women in the WIF and Poofs is a fun headline, but it doesn't actually capture the reality of like, the gender diversity of the group. So if we're talking about, like, language, then that's something that is important. Saying that your group is co-ed when what you mean is that you accept people of all genders.
8: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
7: And then you asked me about advice for other groups.
0: Exactly. About how to kind of think about this transition as you've kind of lived it in a couple of different respects, at least the immediate result of it.
7: Yeah. I don't think as a rule that every all gender group should necessarily, or every single gender group should necessarily. Necessarily go all gender and that's something that's really important to me there is a kind of like progressive normalization that can happen around like single gender versus all gender spaces assuming that every space is probably better as an all gender space and every or vice versa when really i think it's more complicated than that especially considering like what the experience is going to be of people who are occupying minoritized gender positions in that space is going to be syntax if you pass your gender diversity decision by one vote, you're going to have a complicated group dynamic that is not going to be the best for who, who the people who you're bringing into that space. So I think it's really important that if groups are considering this, that they really take a look at their values and their culture to make sure that they're moving in alignment as opposed to moving towards something that they feel like they should be doing because it's the proper thing to be doing in this political moment. It is really more appropriate to be moving intentionally.
0: As opposed to externally driven.
7: Right, and for the WIFs, the group that made the decision to go all gender, for them it was about access and equity. The WIFs is the most well, I, I will probably say, the most well resourced, independently functioning collegiate a cappella group in the world. You can Google it. It is a three hundred to $400,000 a year operation, and all of that money comes in in one year and goes out in one year solely for the benefit of the 14 people who are in the group. It is absurd.
0: You cannot see me because this is audio and not video, but I am nodding as vociferously as I possibly can. It is amazing. It's amazing.
7: It's bonkers. And a big part of why the WIFs have been able to do that is because they, like— sell this old yale vision they wear the tails they are they were all dudes they sing the whiff and poof song and it's a big party for everyone but Yale of today is not Yale of 1909 and our values are different. So that was for the WIFs. For Dukes, people who were in the group when it was all men have said that it's really more continuity than change. And that going all gender was a move toward, like that that moved the group further toward its values and its core mission rather than like away or towards something else.
0: In your first year with the Dukes, how has that reflected itself in kind of day-to-day? Does it come up in conversations as a group? Are you thinking through modifying processes or musical kind of choices? Or now that the group has been through the transition and you're kind of right on the other side, what does that look like different than what you might imagine it was before?
1: So the
7: question on the forefront is about whether or not Dukes will choose to go soprano, alto, tenor, bass. Limitation that is inherent to our repertoire is that it is tenor, tenor, baritone, bass, the music just sits lower. If you have a voice that hasn't been affected by testosterone, which is also language that we use, if you have a non-testosterone affected voice, odds are you won't be able to sing tenor, two, and odds really are that you won't be able to sing barrier, bass, which means that given a typical audition pool, only a quarter of the spots in our group are open to people, who identify as women or more expansively have non-testosterone-affected voices, which is a problem if our goal is gender parity. Right. But as of right now, we've decided that one of the things that makes Duke's Dukes is the music that we sing. And so for that reason, there aren't currently active plans to like transition the group to a soprano, alto, tenor, bass rep. That might not be the case in the future, but that's where we are right now simply because of the sheer logistical challenge of taking a... 69-year-old repertoire and revoicing it. It's just a gargantuan task. So that, and then I think avoiding euphemism to gender is embedded into so much of our language. So saying like, we want women, or like, we want men, or we want to be like, inclusive of trans people. How do you talk about people's voices? What kind of sound? What kind of quality do we want in our upper voices? Was something that we had debates over in auditions. And that was a moment where we realized, okay, when we're talking 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 about particular vocal qualities, as in like softness or color or forwardness, the ability to like break through a texture. Those are things that track with having a voice that is testosterone affected or non-testosterone affected. And we had to come to a place where we all agreed that the sound of the upper voice is changing because the composition of the group was changing could be an asset as opposed to a loss and a lot of our more recent arrangements affect.
0: take advantage of that color
7: yes take advantage of that and really show off what we've got on the upper end in ways that sounded a little bit scrulty
6: before
1: well This has been such a fascinating conversation. We are so grateful that you all took the time to be open to having it with us and we wish you all the best of luck in the future. Thank you so much to Ajay Prasad from the G-Men, Morgan Baker, formerly from the Whiff and Poofs and currently member of the Dukes, Chloe D'Agostino and Leo Early from the Crescendos and Kate Boyle and Sarah Lewis from the California Golden Overtones. And tune back in with us again next week when we'll be talking about promotion in the new world.
2: Thanks for joining us on Polyphony. Hi, I'm Tim Warwick from TimTracks.com and Vocal Spectrum, and you're listening to Akaville Radio.